This is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Neil Butala, Medical Director of Structural Heart Disease and Intervention for the VA Eastern Colorado Healthcare System, as well as Assistant Professor at the University of Colorado School of Medicine and Co-Founder and Chief Medical Officer for High Labs. Dr. Butala, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat today. Now, I'm looking forward to our discussion. I know you've got a lot of really neat things going on um, right now, but you know, as we before we dive into the deeper discussion, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background and how High Labs came about? Sure, happy to. Um, so I founded High Labs, I co-founded High Labs when I was doing my MD MBA um, at Yale. Uh, at this point, you know, almost ten years ago, and, and there uh, initially we founded the company as almost like a, a pop health company, um, looking, you know, myself and my co-founder, who was an executive MBA student at Yale at the time. Um, who is a tech technologist who's worked in a number of tech companies and startups. Uh, and so we sort of wanted to combine his AI background with my healthcare background and really tried to, um, you know, figure out if we could, you know, predict who's going to get sick and make them better before they get sick. And uh, we realized pretty quickly that um, a lot of the data going into these models is total garbage. And so we shifted upstream uh, to focus on uh, using AI to improve data quality in healthcare. And that actually got uh, a lot of uh, traction. And so um, right now, High Labs sort of serves, you know, for the top 10 largest health plans, as well as a number of other regional health plans and, uh, and small specialized insurers, really working to improve data interoperability throughout the healthcare system and uh, improve the quality of data to then enable people to do cool things like predict who's going to get sick and, and make them better. Um, so that's sort of my background and how High Labs has started and how it's evolved. Well, that's amazing to hear. And certainly, you know, having that mindset and understanding what data can do in medicine and healthcare um, has been really important. And it certainly um, accelerated growth in, in many respects over the last year um, and a lot of work to be done, too, in the future. What do you really see as being some of the, um, you know, big changes that you're excited about? Where do you see as technology today and then headed going in the, into the future? Sure, I mean, I could focus a little bit on what I, I specialize in do research in, as well as work with HiLabs and then talk a bigger picture about, you know, healthcare data quality. You know, one thing that, um, you know, we found out um, last year from my academic hat, I did research on, you know, the quality of provider directory data um, and across, you know, at health plans. Uh, and that and the study was published in JAMA uh, last March, which really showed that about, you know, 80% of all physicians um, have some incorrect information and health plan provider directories. And that, um, it's, a, it's a pretty profound, you know, a large number, it's consistent with a lot of other studies, and um, really goes to show the scope of this provider directory um, inaccuracy problem in the US. Um, and it's funny, because I talked to, you know, um, you know, pretty much anyone I talked to about, you know, this study and, and sort of this research and really what HiLabs does, um, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, provider directories are incorrect. Like, oh, yeah, here's an example of where I had, you know, it took me three hours to find an appointment to get a physical therapist or something. So people in the U.S. just assume that this information at health plan product directories is not going to be accurate. And I think that's, um, you know, an industry-wide problem um, or a healthcare system-wide problem that really needs solving. Um, 
So moving forward, you know, that we, we demonstrate the scope of that problem, you know, um, through this research and have another paper that's sort of hopefully coming out in the next month or two, characterizing a little further um, last year. Um, I think uh, this actually is informing some new legislation coming through, uh, hopefully uh, in the next few months. So um, the Senate Finance Committee is looking into, um, you know, the, uh, using, you know, legislation to tackle ghost networks. And ghost networks are essentially, uh, you know, providers listed in health plan directory, uh, health plan directories that aren't really practicing the locations are listed at. And this is a big problem in mental health in particular, where, you know, a, a patient who's you know, having enough issues as is accessing a behavioral health or mental health provider, looks the provider up in a provider directory, calls them up, or, or even goes to the place in uh, a physician's office, and really they're not practicing there anymore. And so that's actually caused a lot of, you know, friction and really decreased access uh, or led to sort of the maintenance of decreased access to care for a lot of people. And so the Senate Finance Committee passed, um, you know, I think the, the Real Health Providers Act is a, is a legislation that passed unanimously, actually, by partisan support. Um, I think last month, and that hopefully should be up for discussion in the House um, in, in January. So that's something that um, I'm definitely watching, at least from my research angle from a provider directory standpoint, um, as to you know, how the uh, legislation sort of actually goes through and what impact it has on, on the healthcare industry. That's fascinating um, to hear about. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one more thing I'll, I'll add to that. So just a little more on the provider directory piece. Uh, from a high labs hat, um, you know, the one of the things that high labs does is actually uses technology to clean provider directories. And this, again, was, you know, born from the idea that, you know, let's use, improve data quality in healthcare. What's the first interaction somebody has with the healthcare system finding a doctor? And that is often a challenge for a lot of people, and particularly those, um, you know, with, um, you know, who are most affected, you know, most comorbidities, the ones with the, you know, um, you know, worst socioeconomic disparities, one of the least health literacy, those people are affected the most by this access to care problem, even getting in the door to see a provider. And so, um, you know, High Labs focused on improving provider directories for that reason. And that actually has gotten a lot of traction in really using technology and AI to clean provider directories. Um, and so that, I think, is, is a solution a lot of people are employing now. Um, and again, I think this legislation will sort of buttress that because um, I do think, you know, the root of the problem it's not just like, uh, you know, health plans are doing a bad job or providers are doing a bad job. It's fundamentally an information disconnect problem. And um, that, I think, um, can only be solved by technology. And I'm happy to chat about that and other solutions. As, you know, again, I think that's going to be an important thing coming into play this year as this legislation sort of um, goes through. Um, at least sort of the one, one of the big things I think I'm excited about this year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That really seems to be a, a huge shift and, and could make, make a big difference for the research and the data and, and how that's used. Now, I'm wondering, too, um, when you look at artificial intelligence, especially, you know, it's important to employ the responsible AI as a physician. Could you talk a little bit about that and what that really means and how you're viewing AI altogether in the healthcare space? That's a great question. So, in a couple of different perspectives on that. The first you know, as a practicing clinician, I think we're still a ways away from AI for clinical decision support. I think there was actually just a paper out a few days ago in, in JAMA uh, on, um, you know, whether using an AI uh, to sort of help someone read a chest X-ray or guide a clinical decision making, and it's helpful or not. And I think there's a lot of gaps still um, in even explainable AI, where it shows you where exactly in the chest X-ray, you know, is concerning to an AI algorithm. I think there's still a lot of room for improvement there in terms of guiding clinical decision support. I mean, that's a goal. I mean, that, that's like a, a goal that we really should get to, and I'm hopeful that the kinks can be worked out. 
but we're not quite there yet, uh, despite all the excitement around it. Uh, where I do think AI is actually going to be important in healthcare um, is actually going to be upstream of that, uh, addressing the boring problems in some sense um, of data and, and how people, you know, um, you know, deal with operations. I think AI is amazing at, you know, uh, improving operational efficiency, and this is seen across industries, right? So whether it can, you know, automate email marketing campaigns or automate, you know, generation of, you know, logos, or it could um, automate some back office stuff and, um, you know, uh, take notes for meetings. A lot of the operational things that AI is, is certainly um, geared, you know, to do perfectly that are sort of rote tasks. And I think that can really improve, um, you know, manual processing of a lot of things that happen, particularly in healthcare where everything is so, you know, it just takes a long time for, for innovation to really um, take hold in a lot of these business, you know, established business processes. So I think that's where their, you know, AI has a more direct impact. And I think that's really where we're, we'll see the first sort of um, changes as a result of AI. And again, it's going to be solving, solving the boring problems. Right? Like, so how is, you know, how are we going to do billing in, in healthcare? Like, how is that going to be improved by AI? Or how is prior, prior authorization going to, you know, uh, be more efficient? Or how are we going to, you know, improve provider directories or improve, you know, transmission of clinical data from one hospital to another or improve, you know, um, you know, interpreting clinical data from another hospital or something like that. So I think all these sort of data problems, a lot of operational issues where a lot of manual work's involved, I think that's certainly going to uh, be right for transformation with AI, at least in the near term. And the clinical decision support, the stuff we all dream about, uh, where, you know, it's like a, you know, AI-driven, you know, physician, your clinical judgment, I think that's still a ways away. It's based on at least the, the research I've seen, the stuff I've seen in clinical practice, and just practicing as a physician, right? I mean, there's only a certain, you know, I think we're, it's going to be challenging um, for um, some of these um, AI models to really um, recreate uh, the level of, um, you know, clinical interaction that a physician has with a patient. And there's multiple dimensions to it. It's not just what a patient says or, you know, it's a physician or types into a box in an AI engine. It's, it's like, you know, what's the patient's you know, what's their tone like when talking to you about something sensitive? Or that actually informs a lot of the clinical judgment, which I think is going to be hard to replace with AI, at least in the near term. That's helpful to know, you know, and definitely um, important to keep in mind as we think through how AI can really affect healthcare and where it's headed. Um, I appreciate your analysis there. Um, Dr. Butala, is there anything else you wanted to connect about, especially looking over the next two to three years or so? What is exciting um, and what do you really see as, um, you know, medicine, how is it evolving, and uh, especially thinking about the data and information that clinicians as well as healthcare organizations will have in the next few years? Yeah, I mean, one other thing is just um, interoperability of clinical data. So right now, you know, there are regulations that are coming into place, especially next year, that really um, are encouraging the use of, um, you know, standards like FHIR, FHIR, FHIR. Um, to transmit clinical data from one hospital to another. So let's say I have a patient who comes in with a heart attack in my hospital, and, um, you know, they just had a procedure done in another hospital a few weeks ago. The ability to transmit that information, in some sense it's required, actually, uh, now by law, and the ability to interpret that information once it gets from one place to another is going to be key. And so as more people start complying with these regulations, I'm excited for the potential to, you know, for this data interoperability to, uh, you know, reduce, Doing, redoing unnecessary tests or really improve, um, you know, clinical decision-making as we have more information about a holistic, you know, a patient's holistic medical record across different um, entities, whether it's across the health plans, across physician groups, across hospitals. So I'm really excited about that, especially as regulations kind of pushing this along. Um, I do worry, again, the data quality piece is a problem that needs to be solved, right? That's a boring problem that needs to be solved before the exciting part where we can actually know everything about 
a patient is coming in with an acute problem. Um, and so the data quality piece is going to be key. And again, that's where AI, again, can help, I think. Uh, and HiLabs has worked on this a fair bit with a couple of large insurers who see data from thousands of different providers and being able to standardize that and sort of um, read clinical notes as a human can and then sort of summarize them. So there's AI ways to go around, go around this and, and address this issue uh, and actually, you know, realize the potential of interoperability, which people have been talking about now for, you know, um, years, if not a decade. So that's something I'm excited about with these regulations and the hope of AI to really, you know, make this data useful. I think the regulations that are sort of uh, mandating some of these pipes in place between ent entities, but then being able to make that data useful once it reaches an end location, um, I think that's where AI can certainly help. And I'm excited for that to also come to fruition, um, hopefully in the next year uh, in practice at scale. I love it. Dr. Butala, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fun and interesting conversation, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Problem. Thank you for your time. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Thank you.